Hi, I'm Mike David, and my thoughts and opinions are my own, and not a representation of the Movie Rose community, its sponsors, or its brands. Guess who's Bazak? Thank you so much for still downloading the show. I'm your host, Mike David, and this is The Commando. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode seven of The Commando. The first episode with a matching visual aid, The Commando Magazine. Now, to be clear, this is not for sale. I can't sell this. It is not for sale. But it's welcome to our members and our free members that we already have enlisted on the site on movierolls.com. Now, the significance of this, and I, it gives me a lot of joy. I, I know it's a grown man saying it, you know, he's, something brings him joy. But this actually is something that is a passion project for me. And I can't honestly say it's much about money. But it's more so, I love MMA. And I'll be honest with you. The amount of time it takes to research and go through and dissect these fighters. Now, again, I'm not any, I'm not an analytical person. I'm not going to give you in-depth analytics on any of these athletes. I'm, I'm not at all. These are opinion, opinion, opinionated facts that that's that's this is what i'm this is what i'm giving you and of course i created the ep magazine as an educational tool it's used to help old school and new fans of mma combat sports boxing i i gotta tell you we'll get into it later but uh gervonta davis has convinced me to come back to <laughs> boxing it's been a minute since i've been like a again i don't want to get off base here but we're going to be talking about boxing again again. Well, I'm going to integrate that, integrate that into, obviously, I speak mostly about UFC. You know, I sprinkle some Bellator, and there's those little Bellator sprinkled in this one. But I'm going to start my best to incorporate other organizations into the podcast itself, to the show itself, and also the EP magazine. Now, again, this is free. This is not for sale. And every week as these release, and I get more on top of things, and I'll get more consistent, but when I release these, these visual aids will accompany it. Accompany it. And I think that's, that's one of the more major issues why I haven't been that consistent. These are, it takes time to make these. It took more time than I actually, I, I, I bit off too much. I, I always do this in life. This is one of my, one of my things, one of my flaws, I'm a per perfectionist, and I bite off more than I can chew. But hey, it always, it always brings for greater things. Again, if you want to learn more about combat sports news, unique fighter insight, key stats, weekly, things that you may not hear in other shows, because I got to tell you, uh, with a news cycle this, this year, already starting off, 
the amount of regurgitated information between the shows that, of course, I listen to other podcast shows and podcast news or uh, MMA news, and but the amount of regurgitated information or the, the shit that's talked about over and over, I, I understand it's your platform. You have time to talk about whatever the fuck you want to talk about. But it seems like, and uh, I, I will say this, because I'm already going on a tangent fucking up this intro. But the people that didn't even address this on their show, I do appreciate it. And then I feel kind of weird. We'll talk more about this later. Now, moving on. If you head over to, and this is nice slipping this in right after. If you ever head over to movierolls.com, you will find the EP magazine every time one of these episodes drop. And you can, when at your leisure, you're on the toilet, you're in bed. You're at work. I don't know what you do at work. Hopefully, you're, you're not operating heavy equipment doing this, but you can follow along. You can check shit out. Um, I kind of scoured the internet for the best type of information that I could find. A lot of these stats and information on these fighters may be a little conflicting because obviously I have to get the information from somewhere. And a lot of this, a lot of the Fighter information is conflicting. So, at best, if I get something wrong, again, I'm going off several sites, so I'm kind of picking the site that looks like it has the best or the most updated information. Also, on these, I like to call them for short, EP magazines, that is the same effect. I try my best to, before it goes out, and sometimes, if I don't get to it fast enough, uh, these fighters have a fight or they have an event come up or something happens like Jeff Molina. He, he got released. So I it, incorporating certain things into the, to the show, I like to keep it as accurate as possible. And obviously, with the year back, back active, things get, stats can change like that. So, and of course, sirens, because this is the hood. Moving on. Now, I don't want to talk too much about this because uh, as you're visiting the site or listening to this show, and I, of course, thank you so much for lending me your time and your ears. But as you come over to the show or to the website, we're going to have a waiting list. Now, there, again, this is free, but we were going to have a waiting list for when members start to fill up to a certain amount. And we're going to actually make it a closed community, kind of like a library. And you got to kind of have a membership to get in. Now, I'm not trying to, again, it's not about dough. So I'm not, I, this, this is a membership for a safe community for people to experience the better side of MMA without all the regurgitated BS. And of course, there's so many trolls and uh, I don't even know how to describe the current uh, internet toxic people. I don't know how to give them a name, but obviously if you come into this community and you have a membership and you still <laughs> are toxic, you probably have something mentally wrong with you. But again, I'm trying to build a clean community of brown MMA. Obviously, uh, MMA itself is not a clean type of business, but for the people that just like to enjoy the fights, and of course there's going to be harder information we get into, but the excitement of 
having events come up and sitting with your friends and your family and watching shit that's going to be branded in your memory. I mean, Mike Tyson fights are branded in my memory. Certain parts of them, obviously. But one that's branded in my memory is Lennox Lewis knocking down or knocking out Mike Tyson. And it seemed like, and I don't know if this was, I remember seeing it firsthand back in the day. And it seemed like both his eyes were, it was like he was crying blood. And it was one of those pictures that, live, you'll never forget. And Lennox Lewis put it on him. And that's the type of um, excitement and disheartening feeling that I'm trying to bring to the show. Real information that you don't hear from every other show out there. Now, I'm getting off my tangent. Let's get back to this intro. There was one of those episodes, and I always say this, that I, 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 I really hoped I had released on time. And I, I kind of did, but I wanted to release it days before the event actually happened for the simple fact that I think I got 10 for 10. I picked 10 fights and I got 10 fights right. And it, I kind of, I kind of want to live in Las Vegas. I'm ready to get, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take my chances. I hear a lot of these shows, um, you know, doing these picks and I'm, I'm sitting back and I'm like, am I, am I high? Are you, are you guys doing research or what am I seeing that these people aren't seeing? Now, again, I'm, I'm no expert. I'm a super fan, but I, I'm mentally in life. I'm analytical enough to watch fights and see certain things that I guess other people aren't able to see. and. I'm ready to bet. Moving on. With all that said about fights and betting, again, welcome to the Commando Episode 7, Roberto Duran. I don't know what, it, what exactly is going on in combat sports community, um, but there's been a lot of violence. Now, I don't want to pick old wounds, but Gervonta's, Gervonta Davis's performance that led to Hector Luis Garcia calling it quits in the ninth round was crazy. Now, I again, I'm not a boxing fan, or I, I used to be. I stopped watching it once I stopped. Well, I stopped watching sports altogether for a while, and then I started watching um, MMA again, and it kind of opened up all sports to me again. But back to boxing, Gervonta Davis, amazing. Amazing. We'll get more into that later, but thank you. Now, if you're not familiar with the title, if you're not familiar with Roberto Duran, probably going to hear that name a lot right now. Or if you are you familiar with uh, Minuteman, the Minuteman remix by Missy Elliott and Jay Z, I'm trying to hit you and quit you in the middle of the round like I'm Roberto Duran. No mas. That shit was dope. Anyways, in the second fight between Sugar Ray Leonard and Roberto Duran Samaniego. He called it quits in the eighth round of a 12-round fight. Now, again, I'm not scratching up old wounds because Roberto Duran is one of the greatest boxers to ever grace this dirt rock of a planet, 100%. Now, his current record, excuse me, Basically, I don't, he's 71, so I don't think he's going to be fighting in any charity events. 
but his record concluded at 119 fights, 103 wins, 70 by KO, 16 losses. That sounds like, you know, I, I know Izzy's record is out of this world. But just imagine how many fights, 100 and, 103 wins. All respect to Roberto Duran. Now, with so much violence, there's been too much death. Hall of Famer Stefan Bonner dies at 45. Again, this is a little bit of regurgitated news, but to give my significance on why uh, it kind of sucks, one, he's 45, that's young. Older than me, but that's, that's still young. He debuted on UFC. Obviously, he was in the, I think, the Contender Series. But he debuted against Forrest Griffin on April 9th, 2005. And his last fight was against Anderson Silva in October of 2012. Now, for your last fight to be against Anderson, I mean, like your last, last fight. not like. People fight today and they retire in UFC and then go fight somewhere else. I think his body was so broken at that point, he just, he was done. He retired, retired. Now, we're not going to go too much into the life of the American psycho, Stefan Bonner, the light heavyweight. But I just wanted to say, uh, I do remember his fight with Forrest Griffin when I was younger. And yeah, as what it, it definitely was a staple. It definitely was a staple for fans, um, and it obviously for the UFC. But rest in peace. Now, one of the ones that kind of, and I just saw a video of her. Um, I guess her 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 personality, but she signed with one championship when she was sixteen. And she died at 18. Victoria Lee. Victoria Lee dying at 18. And she was so animated in the video. And sadly enough, no cause of death has currently been released. And like imagining what that family is actually going through. That's crazy. Beautiful young girl. Had her whole fucking life ahead of her. Period. Now, and more death, because what's, what's worse than death? Murder. Ex-UFC fighter Phil Baroni being convicted of killing his lady, killing his girlfriend. That's crazy. Now, I'm not going to dive into Dana White stuff right now, but no, I am. I am. California Women's Caucus chimes in on Dana White. Why? 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 How many, what percentage, and I'm pulling this shit out of my ass, what percentage of women watch MMA for the sake of watching MMA? I would love to know. What percentage of the Women's Caucus watch MMA for any 
their husbands watch it, boyfriends, sons, what you know, the males in there. Now, I'm not saying women don't watch MMA. That would be horrible of me. But I would. That's a question I would like to know. How many of them watch MMA? I know a lot of people, <laughs> and none of them watch MMA. And I'm being a hundred percent honest. There's like people here and there. If Conor McGregor fights or Nate Diaz fights, then they're all over it. But other than that, they know nothing about MMA. It's kind of like gamers who only game like once or twice a year when Call of Duty hits or Madden. That's those type of people. It's just the big games that smash, and maybe here and there they'll pick up on a a smaller fighter. Or not a smaller fighter, but obviously a lesser known name of a fighter. Like people that don't know or didn't know who Dustin, Dustin Poirier was before he fought Conor McGregor for the second time. What? Now I'm already going on a tangent because I'm starting to heat up a little bit. It's not the black man getting mad, but let's chime in on Dana White really quick and then completely put it to bed. And this is not going to be regurgitated information. This is going to be life info. Now, if you're looking at this and you're waiting to when this is going to get into the actual EP magazine, I'll make sure I put a timestamp so you can bypass all these intro BS and get into the actual meat of the EP magazine. But to briefly run over this Dana White situation. Now, to wrap this into real life, or my personal life, should I say, because this is obviously real life. I think regardless of your stance on this, if you continue to ingest UFC brand, I myself and I think other people are also putting their, themselves in this paradoxical situation of, like, there is no dilemma here. The UFC is not Dana White. Dana White is not the UFC. It's not its owners, it's, its execs, its employees, or its fighters. Using the UFC brand to punish Dana White is one of the dumbest hive mind tactics uh, I think we as people have employed as a society. I'm not trying to get philosophical here, but you, you got to think of the bigger hive mind here of what's going on. Now I'm going to give you a couple facts and we're going to be done with this. I'm pretty sure if Dana White, these, these are grown up facts. And no disrespect to Dana White, it's more of a, let's, let's be logical here. To him, no disrespect to him or his wife, his family, the whole situation. It's a very sensitive situation. But if you think Dana White slaps his wife in public and doesn't do it in private or hasn't done it in private, I got a not-so-secret secret to tell you. Now, if Ann Stella White doesn't want to press charges if the cops haven't done anything or the authorities haven't done anything in the situation what are we as observers you and i as observers to do we're to stfu because it's it has nothing to do with us at that point it's unfortunate that the situation happened in public but it did that's it let's move on because if you feel disgusting about it, the best thing you can do is stop watching UFC. That's it. 
Now, moving on to a lighter note, Zion Clark, Zion Clark's MMA debut. If you do not know who Zion Clark is, Zion Clark was born without a lower body. Now, I don't want that to be the crux of the story, even though it is. But Zion Zachariah Clark was born without legs, and he competes in wheelchair racing, wrestling, and now MMA. And it being his first win in mixed martial arts is, I mean... You can think about the potential for the sport. You can think about the potential for more people with disabilities that are dedicated to striving for the best. You give them a playground. You give them a chance to earn a living and an income. Now, I would love to see where he goes after this. I, I mean, I would love to see where he goes beyond the spectacle of him performing and doing it without legs and a partial torso. Do I see him fighting in a major promotion like the UFC? Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what to tell you. I don't think so. But I can see him possibly being paid large bags of money to fight YouTubers or to be a spokesperson for a man. Just imagine the, the, the amount of fans. Now, not to be, some, some, not to be a douchebag, but the, my mind has like this Blade Runner type future prosthetic limb. Just imagine, like, okay, 20 years from now, when do you think, to be on a lighter note, when do you think we're going to start incorporating prosthetics into sports? That's a big question. That's a big question. Now, I'm, again, I'm not being funny at all. I am, the future is coming. AI is here. We got to look forward to what is, is going to happen next as far as uh, our world. We have space travel already. And I, I mean, not, not, of course we have space, regular space travel, like people going back and forth to the moon. That means there's something up there. <laughs> that means they've built something up there. It's, it's like a vacation home up there. It, it, it might become their permanent home one day. Moving on, topic two. MMA's top 25 under 25. Now, I wanted to dive deep into this list, but I did not have the time. I mean, I did have the time to read through and see which ones really st stuck out to me, or better yet, the ones that I think are noteworthy and should be brought up. And these guys are on the rise right now, like either their title contention or within the next fight or two, they should be. Now, special shout out to Erin Blanchfield, because we're going to talk about her a little bit more later. But she jumped the line crazy for the 25 under 25. Now, her fighting Talia Santos, oh, man, that should be uh, a wrestler's delight. And if they both decide that they don't want to, I think Talia might still try to test her. Damn, I'm already getting into it because I'm excited. But I think that's going to be a perfect fight. If Talia Santos decides to wrestle her or not, 
if she doesn't and she decides to keep it on the feet because Aaron might just be too nice down there, that's going to be interesting. Obviously, whoever wins that fight gets the next shot at Valentina. But moving on to the top 25 under 25. First, we're going to start with 24-year-old Usman Nurmagomedov. Now, Nurmagomedov, is, the name is almost synonymous with I can do everything. <laughs> or, I mean, I, at least on the ground, I can do everything. He's 16-0, and he's currently the Bellator men's lightweight champion. If you didn't see his fight against one of the Pitbull brothers, he employed a very kick-heavy um, strategy against uh, against one of the Pitbull brothers. I can't, I can't remember if it's Patricky, and I should, because obviously my notes are right here and I'm not even looking at them. But the, what I was thinking about here is it's, it's very crazy that in the... Bellator Ryzen fight that in that fight his opponent or the other brother his opponent implied a very kick heavy strategy as well which is it's very weird and two separate results anyways moving on uh who do I see next for or I mean obviously there's a a Grand Prix that's already going but let's see who's who's next or who who would I like to see next? Um, Islam Mamedov. I think him or obviously AJ McKee should be a good pairing for Usman. I think in that division and obviously in the Grand Prix, if Usman is still holding that title when if AJ McKee gets up there, that is going to be one hell of a pay-per-view or uh, that's going to be big. That's going to be a big fight. All right, moving on to 22-year-old Mohamed Makayev. 9-0, and he is a flyweight in the UFC men's division. Now, my first couple of fights watching for Makayev, I, I, I wasn't, I understand the wrestling. I understand he is smothering. And he is, uh, he's very elite, but I, I was not entertained. It, it was one of those situations that I'm, I'm being, I'm being the person, I'm being the fan that I am. It was one of those situations I kind of, I had to kind of skip through it. But then some of his fights and he has a fight coming up with, uh, got the dude's name, uh, duh. And I'm only bringing this up because this dude is on the rise in that. And I, I had it right. Charles Johnson. It's Charles Johnson against Jimmy Flick. Now, I'm, the reason I'm bringing that up, obviously, is because they're in the same division. And Makayev put, I mean, he, Charles Johnson couldn't get into any type of position to Initially, he tried, and his takedown defense is nice. His cardio is nice, but Damon Jackson didn't really have any have a game against Makayev, and that kind of impressed me. But for the most part, I think Makayev's next fights need to be steps up for him. I think him versus 
Manel Cop is the perfect next step. I mean, he's already been tested, but he needs to be baptized in that division for me. Most logically, he should face Summer Duji next. I mean, if not Manel, for sure. Now, I think he runs through Tim Elliott, no disrespect. Um, and obviously, he has to skip Jeffrey Molina because I believe he's currently on uh, indefinite suspension, possibly stemming from the James Crow situation. So, uh, Muhammad Makayev definitely has a great future, but I want to see him test it. I really, really test it. And, I mean, shit, Charles Johnson was a champion in another league, but let's see him against Manel Kopp. I would love to see that. Definitely a problem for that division. Now, moving on to 23-year-old Michael Morales in the UFC Walter White division. Now, now I can't, get, can't wait to, is it Marias or Morales? Maybe it's Marias. Gets his next rank fight. Now, he, he's a very exciting fight. Like, the dude comes out to um, almost like in a Terrence McKinney style. He, he comes out to terminate. Like he comes out to bring to put on a show to put to 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 pull the judges out of his fights. So he's definitely someone that I'm looking for up to, looking for next uh, as far as just him putting it. Dude, he's very entertaining, and for the top the the upper portion of that Walter Weight division, as he starts climbing, I think he's been tested already. The Walter Weight division is not. I'm not saying the flyweight division is, but the welterweight division is. It's a bunch of wrestlers, and it's Murderers Inc. Honestly, I mean, not the Ja Rule Murderers Inc., but he's. It's. I mean, they got some killers in that division, some real killers. Now I'm going to end this intro, intro, this recap intro. This, this, this is kind of like an intro, intro, with a question. Now, for all my comic book heads out there, from all my dudes, all my ladies, if you were a kid and you collected comics, <laughs> if you were dumb as shit like me and used to use pen to pen in your first comics, uh, I'm an idiot. I mean, I don't even have them anymore, so it doesn't really matter. But I used to have one. I want to know if cops play with the siren in your neighborhood as well. They do it a lot in the hood. It's annoying as fuck. Here goes another little tidbit. You live in California. Torrance, Torrance, California. They have a, I think it's like a city mandate or some shit where the police cannot blare their sirens after like 7 p.m. Is that ridiculous? We need that. <laughs> Every hood, I mean, I know there's a lot, there's a lot, of, there's a lot more. Torrance is a nice, clean place. Anyways, let's get back into... The sirens are gone. Let's get back into my thought on this next topic. And back to what I was saying about my comic. So I had a comic called What If Comics. I'm pretty sure you guys are, if you have Disney Plus or you, you follow Marvel, you've probably seen their What If series. Understand that their What If series is nothing like the comic book series that used to be out in the, in the 90s in the 80s, and the 2000s. Anyways, one of the dopest comics ever is what if Wolverine 
was a vampire. The actual title is What If Wolverine Was a Vampire Lord, but the thought of Wolverine being a vampire is incredible. <laughs> it's incredible. Just imagine that going through your head as a kid. You're having this action movie in your hands in this comic, and when they actually started to really make these movies, and I grew up with it, like growing up, and they're starting to make the movies that I wish were there. It's it's an exciting feeling. Anyways, this what if segment is currently about Israel Adesanya. Now, with him losing the title, with the possibility of Alex Pajeda keeping that title, because I don't think Robert. I, I mean, I don't know why other people do, do. I guess we'll see. Well, I hopefully we see. But I don't think Robert Whitaker is going to beat Alex Pajeda. I think Izzy can. But if he retires, because I don't see Izzy being the type of fighter to abuse his body longer than it needs to be abused. And I'm not saying it's it. he's getting paid millions to fight. But what if, and I'm pretty sure Kamaru Usman's seen, seen this. We'll get into this, the, 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 the finer details later. But just that if you know what people get paid as far as movies are concerned, the checks are uh, they're Goliaths to probably what he makes in a fight in the UFC. Now, mind you, who knows how much Kamaru Usman made for being in Black Panther, but I guarantee you, I listen. I guarantee you that single however many minutes he spent in Black Panther, he got paid more for that probably in for any fight that he's ever had. Now, I'm not, I'm not, these are not facts, but if you understand how much people get paid for movies, you don't understand how much people get paid for speaking parts in movies and something as big as Black Panther. You understand that check was very, very large. Now, for someone who used to work in production and used to work with Disney, that check was very, very large. Now, this is not insider, insider information because I don't work for any of these companies anymore. But Izzy becoming a superstar is very likely outside of MMA. And my question is what if Izzy was a movie star? What if Izzy became. The Bruce Lee of our time. It's possible. It's very possible. Imagine some new age movie with this tall ass black dude that beats ass. It would be incredible. Now, regardless if it would be New Zealand based or Jerian, it doesn't matter. It's a possibility. Now, whatever happens to him after he retires from MMA, because the, the all likelihood of him retiring within the next couple of years is very, very plausible. You see him crip walking at an exhibit concert. He's loving life. He had a finger-sized blunt in his mouth. He's living life. And I guarantee you, 
Usman, and Izzy know it, it's 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 not fun. Get of course they do it for a living. Of course they're they're highly skilled at it, but it's not fun getting punched in your face. And I would love to see what life happens. What 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 type of life Izzy creates after the UFC, after MMA. Maybe I'm all bullshit. Maybe he's he's gonna be in MMA for a while, and maybe he goes to another organization. Maybe he I don't know. But my bet is he starts making movies and starts making real money. Moving on. Okay, okay. If you're following along, I'm, I'm pretty sure we're in we're in the EP magazine at this point, and we're on the recap portion. Man, let's start this off properly, and let's start it off properly with Gervonta Davis versus Hector Luis Garcia. Really, this is just about Gervonta Davis. No disrespect to Luis Garcia, but. I don't know what made me watch the fight, but I watched it. And I loved it. I loved how the first couple of rounds, I was like, yo, this is, this is Gervonta. This is, this is your man's? Like, this is, this is your hero? The first couple of rounds, I, I was, I, I, I almost cut it off. And I said, okay, I'm going to finish this. I, like, I don't know what's going on. I've been working. I've been keeping my head down. I've been under this rock. But I'm going to keep up with these. These dope fights. Third round comes around. You see Gervonta really, really start turning it up. And I said, yo, what is going on here? And then watching it, I can't really tell you, say live. But watching it for the first time. And... The way the camera catches certain angles until they do the replay, when you're seeing it, you know, happen as it's happening, it seemed like Garcia was just slipping these shots, like literally just slipping past these shots. But that's not what was happening. Garcia was kind of like, man, I can't even remember the dude's name at the time, but it was when Barbosa was fighting, uh, his name, I almost had it. He was taking these punches and he was eating them. So it, it, real time, it looks like these punches are glancing by him or just missing him or he's rolling off the punch, but he was eating them. And as the rounds started to go more rounds and more, Garcia started to slow down and, and he really, Tank Davis really started to find all those sweet spots that he likes to stay open in his kind of weird shelled stance, his defensive stance. And in the beginning, I didn't think Tank Davis was able, going to be able to get past it. Not only did he get past it, Garcia was durable enough to eat all those shots to he couldn't see. And he bowed out in the eighth round. After that eighth round, watching it as it was going on and see him ask his corner what happened. There was no knockout. It it shows you how damaging a concussion can be 
even if it doesn't knock you out. It was scary. It looked like the corner really didn't know what to say to him. I mean, obviously, we, we saw after that ninth round or when that ninth round started. The more interesting aspect of this, and Tank Davis was looking around as well, as the broadcast was showing the audience, I was looking and seeing star after star after star. I mean, obviously, there's different waves. Or there's different portions of this entertainment business to where there's people, certain people don't even know that are million, millionaires, whatever you want to call them. And they're at these shows. And all these the smaller, smaller rappers that are coming up, they have dough. They have money. Shit, Gervonta Davis brought out, I don't even know who the fuck he brought out. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I don't know who he brought out. But I'm pretty sure the dude dropped a CD within the last couple of months or so. Anyways, Meek Mills and, I don't know, Wallow? Who, who else? Shy Glizzy? I don't know who was in, I don't, I don't know if, uh, maybe it was Shy Glizzy. Anyways, something breaks out in the crowd and it's, it, it breaks up the fight. That's, that's some reminiscent of some back in the 90s when, you know, <laughs> when fights used to get a little ghetto. But I loved it. Entertainment-wise, Gervonta Davis versus Hector Lewis Garth. It, it was wonderful. I can't wait to, if, hopefully, Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia versus Tank Davis should be next. Hopefully, that should be a very interesting fight. That should be a, I mean, a master class of this younger generation coming to change the landscape of boxing. Now, moving on to another sec or another topic: Ryzen versus Bellator. Now, we're gonna just this happened weeks ago, but we're gonna. Eh, we're going to go over a couple different things because it was a very entertaining event for someone who used to watch a lot of pride back in the day. A lot of pride. I, at some point, I think I binged almost every episode of pride. Now, Kleber Kyoki versus Patricio Pitbull. Now, Something, something was very, uh, I don't, something puzzled me about Kleber Kiyoki and his kick heavy offense, defense, whatever you want to call it against Patricio Pitbull. So I, I can't, okay. Like I knew he was a high level fighter. Obviously Ryzen thought he should face one of Bellator's or Bellator's, I guess, uh, I don't know if he's the most popular Bellator fighter, but he might be one of the most accomplished Bellator fighters. Might be talking to him. I don't, I... Patricia Pitbull is almost synonymous with Bellator. But Kleber Kyoki, me not really knowing who this is, me not really be much up on Ryzen fighters, Ryzen put him against Patricia Pitbull for a reason. So I said, you know, let me go and ch just check to see who this, who this dude is. Now, he has a fight against Mateus Gamrot, which was a beautiful fight. But seeing him fight against Mateus Gamrot, I didn't think he was ready for the UFC. 
Now, I know he's had his quotes about the UFC and um, however he feels about the UFC. In that fight in Ryzen against Pitbull, Pitbull was very strong against Kleber. And it didn't really seem like Kleber could get anything going. And it, it seemed like, no disrespect to Kleber Kiyoki, but it seemed like he was a little timid against Pitbull. Now, I already talked about how crazy it was that these two fighters that faced the Patricky and um, Usman Nurmagomedov employed very kick-heavy defense or offense against Patricky. And then Kleber Kiyoki tries the same kick, or I'm not saying like he copied, but his a part of his, his path to winning was kicking. And it, it, in both of these fights, I'm not saying the Usman Nurmagomedov fight against Patricky was some, some specific, spectacular fight but it very it confused me heavily that i understand him trying to possibly force a wrestling situation maybe that's more so i don't know but it did pique my interest now roberto satoshi Souza against aj mckee was it was a good fight. I, I did. It did look like AJ McKee got caught at least once or twice. But man, what a spectacular! And saving it for the man, saving it for the last fight, saving it for like, even though Patricky or uh, Patricio is your one of your staples of Bellator, but you know AJ McKee is that dude. If you want to talk about what's synonymous with Bellator. Of course, it's AJ McKee. Now, um, the only other fight that I did, or I, I did find very, very interesting was, and I'm probably going to murder this dude's name, Su Chul Kim versus Juan Archuleta. Now, AJ McKee came out in the samurai outfit, if you obviously know already, or if you don't, it was a beautiful samurai outfit. and. I was very concerned when he unsheathed the sword because when he was putting it back in, there is a way of putting it back in for, I don't know if it's very specific to the samurai culture or to Japanese culture, but it's very specific to samurais. And it, it was kind of sketchy when he was putting it back in, the sword back in. Anyways, his outfit was dope, but Juan Archuleta's outfit was even doper, and I think his his entrance was more theatrical. So that, as far as it feeling like pride in back of the day, this rise in Bellator shit was it was nice, especially for a time or a a downtime as far as UFC is concerned or just MMA fights in general. Now, let's briefly get into the UFC 2022 year recap. And we're going to go through some, we're not doing any award shows here, but we're going to go through some of my, um, what I thought was some of the more hilarious or the most notable moments in MMA. So for me, Let's see. 
Yeah, we got we got a couple here. One, two, three, four. Yeah, we're gonna run through these pre pretty quickly, but there's six things. So uh, I don't know. I think I watched every fight from Calvin Cater versus Giga Chikaze to uh, Cannonier versus Strickland, and I mean Cannonier versus Strickland being what it was. You want to talk about a very Okay, you can call it boring, you can call it technical, you can call it uh, two dudes who wanted to win without getting knocked out, sure. Uh, I think Cannonier put him himself in, more, in, in worse spots than Strickland did in that fight, and we're obviously not going to get into that right now. But it just, it kind of ended the year on a eh, and a, eh note. Um, If we're going to talk about just overall for the year for me, like if we're going to just nutshell um, 2022, I would say that Usman KO wins everything for me. The, the stakes and everything that happened within the flow of the fight, it, I don't know how you pick anything else. I mean, you could, the Glover Teixeira versus, uh, Yuri Prohaska was very, I mean, you want to talk about a fight that went back and forth? Ugh. But for me, Usman getting KO'd by Edwards was, it was top notch. Now let's go to best KO celebration. Now, again, <laughs> I watch a lot of UFC. I watch a lot of MMA. But I really watch a lot of UFC and the contender fight or the contender finale. Uh, that, whoa. I, and again, I, I will regurgitate what I said about Muhammad Usman because I honestly believed it was true. And I, we have not seen him fight since then. But I felt like Muhammad Usman, at the time of him entering to the contender finale, I felt like he wasn't an MMA fighter. Like, he's a fighter. Come on now. He's a fighter. But I didn't feel like he was an MMA fighter, especially for what he has to face in his division. But, obviously, he's been gone. And hopefully, he's been working on everything. Of course, his brother has a super fight coming up. His brother just had a super fight pass, but hopefully he is getting in some rare training time with the slew of resources that Kamaru Usman has, especially for being a champion, for being who he is, and post-champion. Now, um, well, just let's, let's talk about the celebration real quick, though. Yes, Muhammad Usman the man is a very scary dude. If you have not seen his victory, uh, what do you want to call this? Is it a victory? Oh, man. What does a Viking do after he kills a man? It was a scream. It was a yell. No, it was a, it was a oh, man. It was a guttural response of prideful victory, and it, you can feel it through your body. But watch him KO, I can't remember the dude's name, but him KO that dude 
in the finale of The Contender, Muhammad Usman. Best KO celebration of 2022 for me. Now, most disappointing UFC, numbered UFC, um, 272, Muhammad, um, Covington versus Masvidal. Now, I, it was disappointing for several reasons, but I think, briefly, the most disappointing was that I, this is the way I thought. Masvidal, Masvidal thought he was going to, that Covington was going to stand, I'm sorry, I'm stumbling, I'm, I'm, I was kind of mad about it, I, I guess I'm still a little affected, Masvidal thought that Covington was going to stand with him, what? I mean, obviously we see the trajectory of Masvidal now since the fight happened, but that was a that was not the type of main event I wanted to see. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. I mean, it happened, and then you know, Masvidal almost knocked him out. He certainly was a the best shot of coming from Masvidal, but that was a very disappointing UFC for me. Two two seventy two for sure. Now, best numbered UFC. This is not like. This is this is the best overall, like that accumulated feeling at the end of a men event. Like that, I just watched that. Like that, that just happened, and that was two seventy five, Teixeira versus Prohaska. That last that 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 main event, those last thirty. I think it was a minute thirty set, whatever it was. I think it was thirty one seconds. Was amazing because the fight was back and forth. From the first round, from the first time Teixeira shot on Prohaska and then Prohaska flipped it at some point, it, I don't see that fight going any different in the next one, but listen, I mean, I do see it going a little different. I see the same person winning, but that was the overall, for me, best numbered UFC, 275. Now let's get into best fight night. And of course, the, I, we talked about this before. This ain't, this ain't no apex joint. Volkov versus Aspinall. For me, best fight night ever. I think that was the first time I was introduced to Jack Shore. Best fight. Maybe, no, no, I might be wrong. But that, regardless, was the best fight night of 2022. Hands down. Put put your put your hands down. All right. Worst fight night. Like worst. And again, again, this wasn't no apex joint. Um, I have nothing against Aspinall, but UFC fight night Blades versus Aspinall was a, to me, a disheartening. Like you want to talk about a crescendo to a that shit was like. What, huh? It's over? It's, I just literally sat back down to, to, to get a beer and I'm, it's over? And what happened? <laughs> I mean, I guess it happens. 
but that was the worst fight night of 2022. Now, moving on to last but not least, the worst UFC event of 2022. And I mean worse by... No, no, no. Okay, I already said I'm not saying worst. I apologize. Weirdest. Weirdest UFC event. Like, overall, what, how, everything that happened within the event, shit, within the main, it, it was the weirdest to me. And I was going to, you know, do like a best ref, worst ref moment. I think Herb Dean kind of, um, he wins both of them in this fight or in this event. Diaz versus Chamay, I'm um, Diaz versus Ferguson was a close second. But the weirdest UFC event was UFC 278 Usman versus Edwards 2. Now, here's why. Yeah, I said it was the best or the the best moment of 2022, but here's why it was the weirdest event. Now, if you I'm pretty sure, I don't know how many times people actually re-watched it or re-watched the whole fight. Obviously, the latter part of the fight was the most fucking spectacular. But that first round between Kamar Usman officially being taken down for the first time to Edwards and Kamaro grabbing the cage, blatantly grabbing the cage, and at some point, they both were hooking each other's gloves. Not, who knows at the same, obviously not at the same time, but at some point, they were hooking each other's gloves. Now, this weird match or this, the, this accumulation of this weird event, I think it really hit a peak when, now if you haven't seen Herb Dean ref in other organizations with other rule sets, I think he had a one championship moment here because when Usman wasn't being active in the clinch, he that's what made this peak of a moment because that separation is, to me, that won the fight for Edwards. That was one of the weirdest sequences of, okay, He's not separating them. Somebody grabbed the cage. He's not taking a point. Someone grabbed the cage. He sees someone's cut hooking the glove. There's no point being taken. Obviously, he said something, but then you just see this, and it's like, okay, is he, is he going to do something? Is he going to let them clinch? And he, he changes, to me, the trajectory of that fight. Crazy. Now, let's get to our notables, our very, very special fighter cards and our first one for this week commando episode seven is jamal hill jamal sweet dreams hill a little funny point here there is a video uh a promo i don't know if anyone's seen this i don't know if it's on the actual uh the intranet but it's on ufc.com and it's a video of Ryan Spann talking about the fighters in his, his division. And he calls Ryan Spann Supergirl. <laughs> it is. It's okay. No disrespect to Ryan Spann, but it's hilarious. 
it seems like Jamal Hill lives in the smoking section in life, and he he's about that smoke. Like he he's he's about that sh- dude. It's funny. All right, let's get into Jamal Hill. Now Jamal Hill, born in Chicago, and is currently thirty one. Now he debuted in UFC in January of twenty twenty. And he is about to face Glover Teixeira for the light heavyweight strap. Currently sitting at 11 and 1. Seven wins by KO. Four first round finishes. It seems like he's, he's, he's like warming up. And that power carries. Now, I don't. Just looking at his striking numbers. I'll say this. I don't see how you fight Jamal Hill and stay standing. Unless you knock him out. Unless you can hold him down for five rounds. Because listen, if Glover Teixeira doesn't put this dude out or hold him down for five rounds. And Jamal Hill puts those hands on him like he put on Santos. What? It's in, like the, his power is incredible. Now let's go through just a couple of his, I mean, he TKO'd Crute. He TKO'd Walker. He TKO'd Santos. Like, he got a little out of the pocket with Paul Craig, obviously. And Paul Craig made him pay. I don't even think he tapped or he tried to tap at one point, but it wasn't like Jamal Hill's durable. He wasn't he wasn't put out. He was broken. Of course he TKO'd Vincent St. Prue. He's not undefeated. He can be TKO'd himself. He can be put out when he gets a little bit too reckless. But Jamal Hill winning that light heavyweight championship, to me. It's it's inevitability. Let's see if Glover can stop him. But this week, his this first this first fighter card is about Jamal Hill. I think this dude is gonna do spectacular things for that division. And if he doesn't win the belt, man, he's still a problem for everyone in that division. Whoever's coming up in that division. Now, Jamal Hill's next fight. Let's see what pay-per-view this is going to be. Jamal Hill's next fight is against Glover Teixeira at UFC 283 on January 21st in Rio, in Rio, baby, in Brazil, Brazil. It's going to happen. And I'm not, I mean, shit. No disrespect to Glover. Glover is a beast. I love Glover. But Jamal Hill, there's something different about that dude. Oh, Jamal Hill versus Ryan Spann. Oh. <laughs> so I love MMA, baby. Now, let's move on to our second fighter card. And our second fighter card is AJ McKee. If you're skipping ahead, obviously, you're, you're just rolling through these. But if you're waiting, if you're being patient, 
AJ McKee, AJ the Mercenary McKee. Now, as you probably already heard, especially if you're a Ariel Hawani fan like I am. Now I'm not have nothing I'm nothing against other shows. I fucking love Ariel, even though he he may chime on about certain things too much. It's good to hear someone else's thought process on things that you you may see. I not of course. I don't see eye to eye with anybody that I fucking listen to on everything, but there's, we're different walks. Of, we can respect each other. There's different walks of life here. Now, AJ McKee is, um, I'll disclose this. He's related in a, what is it? Like a eight degrees of separation, a 30 degrees type of separation type of way. He is, a family member of a family member of a family member, if you understand what I'm saying. Have I ever met him? No, I have not. Do I think he's an incredible fighter? Yes, I do. I think AJ McKee's the future. Young dude. Again, killers. These are killers. The dude's still in his 20s. He's 27 years old. He's, he's who knows if he's actually hit his prime yet. And a very close decision loss, his first decision loss, his first loss, period. AJ McKee from Cali, from Long Beach, is a problem. And the fact he re-signed with Bellator is, it's a very, it's a smart move. You know where your allegiance lies when you have... You have resources here. You have a home here to go somewhere else and be treated. You know, there's a, there's a question mark on how you would be treated. There's a question mark, regardless of what people are talking about in front of your face, but there's a question mark on how your last name carries or how your name carries when you actually start doing business with someone, when you actually get in the midst of working out and having business relations with. Someone that you've never had business relationships with, how they do business, how they conduct themselves. And the UFC or any other organization out there, regardless if they have more money, it's the it's people people usually love comfort. And for a sport like MMA where you have to get really uncomfortable to get paid a lot of money, him having a home and being comfortable is that I think that's a big pick. And it looks like Bellator did him right. Now let's get into some stats on AJ, the mercenary McKee. Now, fighting out of Long Beach, California, said before, born in 95, currently sitting at a 20-1, is the one defeat on his record. Obviously, he beat Patricio to gain the title and then lost the rematch. Six wins by KO, six wins by sub decisions so he is more inclined to finish a fight than he is not now this is what i say about this is what i was saying about conflicting information even sites that have the information in dual spots is incorrect they have them listed at 5 9 and 5 10 which is pretty ridiculous forever is the <laughs> whoever's the record keeper at bellator I'm not going to say you should be fired, but it should be looked into. 
Now, AJ McKee fights out of the featherweight and the lightweight division, currently taking his talents into the lightweight division of Bellator. Now, one of the reasons why I grab certain people, and it's not because they end up on shows or because of certain matches, but at times of me wanting to do a fighter card, and it just so happens it correlates with some of the, the some of the dopest events coming up, and you'll see what I mean by the next fighter card that we have. But AJ McKee is that stamp for someone we should definitely look forward to as changing the sport of MMA. And of course, with his rising performance, however the match turned out, that interest entrance was incredible. I'm pretty sure he made his pops proud, 100%, and even Rampage. Like, to drop that much on dedication, to drop 100 stacks on dedication, shout out to AJ McKee. Okay, our last fighter card of this episode is Drickus Duplessis. Now, Drickus Duplessis to me is, or let's just call him Drickus in short, is the dude's different. The dude's built very impressively. If that <laughs> aesthetically looks, dude is what you would want to see as far as representing the UFC as a fighter. In the middleweight decision, in the middleweight division, one of the best, or at least my favorite division, because you're, it's power, it's speed, it's, man. All right, now, if you want to talk about his fight against Till, I don't know if I want to dive into that too much, because I'm, I'm, I'm heartbroken for Dan, Darren Till. I, I'm, to see him be injured and come and have to turn down fights or reschedule. It's, it's sad to see someone that was such a prospect have this kind of luck when it comes to his career. For someone that was such a talent at that. And let's get into some, to some more Drickus. Because obviously this is Drickus Duplessis' fighter card, not Darren Till's. Now, born in 94, Drickus Duplessis is South African. So his accent is a little different. So Drickus Duplessis... 18 wins, two losses. Dude is 6'1", 185 pounds. Again, he, work, he works out of the middleweight division with a 76-inch reach, and he has switch stance. Now, I've seen him employ some, implore some wrestling against Till. I wouldn't call him a wrestler, though. The dude likes to swing. Like He, he kind of throws some... Uh, man... He, he can gas himself out trying to throw some haymakers, but he does it in the love of MMA and in the love of entertainment because I can tell you that I don't think I've watched a fight and been bored by a Drickus Duplessis fight. Now, let me rattle off some of his last wins just to show you what I mean. Now, last fight against Till, he had a sub. Brad Tavares. Brad Tavares is kind of hard to put away. Izzy couldn't put Brad Tavares away. Decision. But then we go KO of Trevin Giles. 
Then we go KO. Then we got a submission guillotine. Like, Drickus Duplessis is steadily climbing and he is starting to leap through the middleweight division. Um, was Darren Till kind of like on a decline? Yes. Would this next test be too much for Drickus? I don't know. But he's put his stamp on this division. He's, he, he needs to work on his cardio. But he has definitely put his stamp on his division. Let's look at some of the stats. So, Drickus still knocks Duplessis. Still knocks. I don't know if I'm, uh, I'm much... <laughs> I don't know if I'm much in like with that nickname, but it's his. Um, the number 10 middleweight in the UFC. Six wins, or should I say he's on a six-fight win streak, seven wins by knockout, ten wins by submission. So if you needed an answer on if he's nice on the ground or not, there it goes. 54% strike accuracy with a takedown defense of 47, which is not bad. And you know what? For that division, for that division I don't know about that one. Given that he does give up, he does throw up submissions. That is a very tricky way to, if you think that's a bad number. That's a very tricky way to look at the stats if you think that's a bad number. Now, what do I see him going next? Um, this is the whole reason I kind of brought it up, and it does. I'll bring it up again later. But his next fight is basically in the upper echelon of the middleweight division. When he faces Derek Brunson, do I think he gets past Derek Brunson? Well, again, this kind of wraps into all the talk about the wrestling. Is he the type to be able to not gas out against Darren Till? I mean, against Derek Brunson? Because I, I'm pretty sure if Derek Brunson gets him to the ground once, that's, that's Derek Brunson's, that's his, that's a buffet table for Derek. So this is a real test for Drikus, and if he if he belongs in the in the upper echelon of that division, it's a it's a nice test. And who, who knows if this is Derek Brunson's last hoorah? But you can guarantee Drikus Duplessis is going out there to finish Derek Brunson. So shout out to Drikus as our last fighter card for episode seven of the Commando. Moving on. Okay, okay. Slowly creeping towards wrapping up episode seven. And we're going to start off with our oncoming, or oncoming, yes, they're oncoming. <laughs> Some upcoming fights that are really, really, uh, well, let's just go through the UFC calendar. There's some upcoming fights that stand out to me. And then we have UFC Fight Night, Imavov, which was supposed to be Imavov versus Gastelum. But it's UFC Fight Night, Imavov versus Strickland. Now here goes a quick note. Gastelum may find himself released soon. And I never thought he would be in a worse position than Darren Till. Not to shit on Darren Till, but Darren Till was in a good position. Kevin Gaslam was in such a good position. He 
was very close to winning the interim gold. I, I mean, close is... Uh, we can see where he goes after him having to pull out in this last fight. But let's get into Imavon versus Strickland. I am looking forward to it. I did do a little research here, and I will say off the back, I won't go much back and forth with the analytics, but I think this is a bad fight for Imavov. Regardless of if it's at 205 or not, catch weight, um, or just at a, I believe it's a catch weight, they're middleweight, so it probably would be at a catch weight of 205. I'm, I'm confused here. Or would it be, it would, it would just be a light heavyweight fight? It might just be a light heavy. Anyways. I don't think this switch up is good for Imavov. I think he, his height and length was definitely a problem for Kevin Gaslam because, I mean, it's not like Kevin Gaslam had fought link, lanky fighters before and came out pretty, I mean, he didn't get finished against Izzy, but Strickland is the type of beating I don't think Imavov can ride with because it's a pressure and because Imavov likes to fight at a distance. Will leg kicks be a problem? Strickland is very well-rounded. Definitely don't see this going to the ground. And if it does, I think Strickland, regardless of Imavov, has fine success early. I don't think he can carry that. And I'm saying I don't think he can carry that because we've seen him kind of gas out in a fight that There was a lot of pressure in the fight against him and Buckley. There was a lot of aggression. There was a lot of emotion. So that may have been more of a reason why there was some exhaustion, visible exhaustion on Imavov's part. But again, I don't think a Darren, I don't think um, Sean Strickland is a good out for anybody. I, I can't sit here and tell you that Cannoneer won or lost that fight in real time, I believed they might give it to Strickland. But Cannonier hits like a fucking horse. So I do not, even though he just fought a month ago, I do not see Sean Strickland losing this fight. If he does, I think Imavov would have to get pretty dynamic and do something that he's never done before. Or implore what he's done before in a way that Strickland, I, I, again, I can pull this reasoning out of my ass, but I don't, I don't see it. Now, the odds are so close. The fight, the, the, the timing is so short. The betting lines tell the same thing. It's almost a pick and I think it still is currently at this point. Now, let's move on to Dan Ige versus Damon Jackson. Now, Dan, Dan Ige is not an easy fight. And regardless of Damon Jackson's progress, Danny Ige has faced some monsters. Now, if Damon Jackson has really good or high wrestling, should I say, he may be able to eke out a decision against Danny Ige. The Korean zombie took down Danny Ige. So, again, I'm not going to do MMA math at the moment, but I'm not going to say Danny Ige's wrestling is. Well, I mean, shit, it's better than mine, but let's see if it's a factor against Damon Jackson. Let's see if Damon Jackson can even 
enforce his wrestling against Dan Ige because I can tell you as far as those hands go, as far as headhunting, I don't think Damon Jackson is going to find success here. Now, one that another fight that interests me on this card, this uh, UFC fight night, Imavov versus Strickland coming up this Saturday, the 14th. Roman Kopilov's boxing against the swarming punches of Punahele Soriano. Like, that's, again, this is another question mark for me as a, as a, as a pick'em fight. Because whoever's doubting Roman, Roman Kopilov based on his past fights, you have to understand that once he got, it, he got going, he was pretty nice with it. And it just seemed like he needed to tweak some th things here and there to get his game really on point. But at a distance, at range, Roman Kopilov is, he should win this fight. If he's able to slip Punahele Soriano's boxing, or I'm going to say he swings pretty large when he does fight. He doesn't telegraph it, but he leaves himself open for some devastation if Roman Kopilov can capitalize. Who do I see winning this fight? I don't know. If it, go, I don't, if it goes to the ground, if Punaheli takes him to the ground, obviously Roman Kopilov is to me is more than a, more of a boxer. But if it's at distance, Roman Kopilov can probably pull off a decision. And that's where I would lean. But again, big question mark here on this fight. But Nonetheless, entertaining, interesting. This is how you bring in the new year. Another favorite for me, Caitlin Vieira is the favorite against Raquel Pennington. And the winner should find themselves in contention against Nunes. Now, I, Pennington has faced Nunes before and lost, but Nunes needs new blood. And Caitlin Vieira should be up next. Like, she... Again, the her fight against Holly Holm, the Holly Holm, the boxer, and Holly Holm didn't want to box her. That's again, I don't want to do MMA math here, but how do you not how do you not succeed in your wheelhouse or what you're known for? Caitlin Vieira to me should be the favorite in this fight, and I do think she is going to be victorious. Nothing against Raquel Pennington, but again. I think this is where that streak gets snapped. Now, on to someone whose name's going to be mentioned several times more before this is over, but Umar Nurmagomedov. Actually, hold on. Let's see something real quick. No, no, no. His name, <laughs> his name won't be mentioned again. But Umar Namagameta fights this week in his royal as well, and the ridiculous odds against him. Okay, uh, let me let me respecify that. But his odds against Heone Barcelos is pretty ridiculous in the sense that <sighs> I'm not saying it's not warranted. Minus a thousand as a favorite, and he's fighting backwards in an unranked Barcelos. U Umar Namagamedov is currently ranked. For him to be fighting an unranked fighter is kind of confusing to me 
to see who he fights after Barcelos, not looking past Barcelos because I think Barcelos does have hands, but I don't see cracks in Umar's game enough for Barcelos to win. So him being a thousand favorite is spot on. Nonetheless, the shit is ridiculous. Topic two. Talia Santos against Aaron Blanchfield. Whoa. I'm loving it. February 18th. I'm loving it. I think that my mother's birthday. I think so. UFC Talia Santos, Aaron Blanchfield. That's obviously whoever wins this one as well should get another shot at or should get a shot at Valentina. It'll be the second shot for Talia. It'll be the first title shot for Aaron Blanchfield. Now, Talia Santos sitting at number two in that division. Aaron Blanchfield currently sitting at number 10. Now, currently fighting in the 125-pound weight division. Obviously, Valentina Shevchenko's mastered that division. But Talia Santos is currently sitting at 19-2. and two against a very, I mean, Aaron Blanchfield is streaking, and what she did to Molly McCann seems to have the MMA community in an uproar. Or, I mean, I guess it didn't need to be Molly McCann that she did that to, and the uproar being that she put hands to Molly McCann. Like, how, how, how can you do that? <laughs> now, Aaron Blanchfield currently sitting at 10 and 1 and is currently 4-0 in the UFC. Now, the bigger reason why this fight is so big is because of the wrestling factor between the two women. Now, do they counsel each other out? It's 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 probable. And I think I said this earlier in the episode, but Talia Santos trying to take Aaron Blanchfield down as high. It's, it's, it's Aaron Blanchfield trying to, trying to take Talia Santos down as high. The part that I'm more interested, more interested in, again, is the stand-up. If the scrambles get too crazy, if they decide that they're evenly matched on the ground, that stand-up's going to be the factor that separates that fight and... I can be honest with you. I don't know who has the better hands. Talia seems like she has some pretty good stand-up, but we didn't really get to see it against Valentina, in my opinion. Now, last but not least, and we've already talked about this a little bit, but Derek Bronson versus Drakus Duplessis. Now, it... UFC 285, these men will face off if this match goes through, if nobody drops out, which it's possible. I mean, Kevin Gaslam had staph infection on his face, and then something was wrong with his teeth or in his mouth. Listen, yes, MMA is dirty, but if anyone out there is not familiar with a staph what staph infection is, if you're not familiar with MRSA, it's, it's like a cousin to the Ebola virus. It will eat your cells. It will eat your skin. It will eat your flat. Not to hopefully no one's eating at this moment. 
But listen, cleaning, besides washing your hands, sterilizing your body after you go to the gym almost immediately is a necessity. The things that people carry around on their body, the type of dirty shit that people do in their private time and then they don't, they aren't efficient enough to be clean. It's scary. To have to pull out of a fight because you have MRSA on your face? What? MRSA is dangerous. It's highly contagious. And it's not something... I mean, obviously, the UFC, did, the, the fight didn't continue. He didn't wear a Band-Aid on his face like Nelly. He, that's, it's some serious... It's a serious thing. It's a serious infection. If you ever hear somebody say staff or you go to the gym, make sure you wipe your, sh- wipe your shit down before you, you, you get on any machines. This dude was rolling on mats and got staph infection on his face. Enough said. Now back to Derek Brunson and Drake's Duplessis. Staph infection is still in the shine. As said again, this is a, an exciting fight for the simple fact that if Drickus Duplessis gets past Derek Bronson, which is very likely, he may find himself in title contention with whoever's at the top, whether it be Alex Pajeta, Robert Whitaker, Ezra Asanya, or someone else. Now, there is room to shake up the welterweight division the middleweight division, and the light heavyweight division. Those seem like all those divisions are very interchangeable. And I don't mean by the fighters in the other divisions. I mean, those up-and-coming fighters seem like someone... At the current moment, I would say for the light heavyweight division, they're looking for a hero. Jamal Hill might be that dude to do what John Jones did and carry a title for long enough that the UFC can promote or tout it as a promotion. Hey, this dude is badass. Hey, he still has the title. No one can beat him. And currently, the middleweight division has that. Light heavyweight division, not so much. Welterweight division, Man, if Kamaru Usman doesn't face Edwards this year, it's, it's scary to say that fight may never happen. Not to dance around, but title implication stuff, it, 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 it makes me tingle. And Drigas Duplessis, as wild as he is, he may get past Derek Brunson, but whoever he faces next, guaranteed problem. Now let's go and wrap this up. Let's go and wrap this up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We are, we are wrapping up episode seven. Roberto Duran. No moss. And I want to wrap this up with some things that I kind of talked about last year. Um, and I've kind of been talking about since this show started. Since this, I've been back and forth, back and forth, the inconsistencies. But it's, it's been a lot of building going on. So, again, the goal is to be very, very consistent. Not that the year switching over hasn't anything to do with it. But I look to bring 
anyone listening, anyone still listening, I wish to bring you a a comprehensive look at MMA. Obviously, I'll get better. This MMA magazine will get better, more in-depth. And trust, if we have any problems, I have several ways I'm going to do this magazine. So just trust and believe this shit's not going anywhere. We're going to be here to stay. As long as this heart beats, as long as there's no bars in front of my face, and I'm, you know, pause, I mean gel bars, this show is going to happen, and this EP magazine is going to be fucking huge. Now, I did want to talk about why we have seen, getting into the actual portion, why we have seen no signs of life from the WFL. You know, I'm going to type in WFL on the internet right now and see what pops up. Now, the first article I found dated 12-8-2021, and I believe that's the same date the executive or the president or the owner of the WFL appeared on uh, Ariel Hawani's show. There is, no, there is no update from the WFL. It saddens me. Now, they, still, they may still be working on some inter-issues. But man, my, I, had, I have and had some high hopes for the WFL. I hope we hear some news from them shortly. I hope we hear some acquisitions. I hope we hear, uh, I mean, shit. The stamp that PFL has put on the MMA community with Jake Paul is huge. For another organization to come out and not have a big name behind it, I think, to be honest, the WFL may have dropped the ball. Or they, they have to, maybe they haven't. Maybe they're waiting to find that name or they have that name to use as the head of their promotion. Now, another thing that I want to talk about that may pop up in a future episode soon, very, very soon, but it's what changes will happen, what changes or discoveries will happen from the fallout of the James Krause situation. Now, again, I don't want to go on hearsay, but there, is a, there, there are a lot of things coming out about James Krause, his character. Again, not going to get into any of that, but whatever comes out of this, whoever gets caught up into this, this dragnet, because they're starting to suspend people, they're starting to ban people. And I mean, MMA community is these huge, these bigger organizations, the UFC. What will change? What new policies will be in place? How will this affect contracts? How this, will this affect other organizations? How will this affect betting? How will it affect betting in California? Betting is not legal everywhere. And for the places that have banned betting or betting is illegal, it's, it's just almost, it's another knell in the coffin for some of these states. Let's see what changes this year for this fallout. And again, there's a lot that happened from James Krause. Personal relationships. Personal relationships within the UFC organization and some of these organ- other organizations. Right? Relationships foster around people. They, they can only foster. 
I mean, I guess we wish everyone would be professional and come in and do your job and then go home to your families. But sometimes you meet somebody at work events. Sometimes things happen. I mean, shit, we saw with the Dana White situation, things happen when it's you blend personal with business. There may be a, a bigger fallout for relationships in the UFC or relationships. And I'm not just mean sexual. I mean how relationships are built within these fighting, fighting organizations with judging and everything. Because, again, it's hard to be a person without bias. And some of these positions, some of these positions that these execs hold, that these managers hold, that these judges hold us as people, we can only it's 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 biology. There's no way we can be totally unbiased in any situation. It's impossible. Now, this year UFC turns thirty, or I think it was last year UFC turned thirty. I I, I need to check that date, but nonetheless, we will bring up some things here and there especially going through the new EP magazine we're going to put some staples out there and we're going to try to remember within the 30 years just certain things that made the UFC the UFC change the landscape of sports betting pop culture anyways that's going to wrap it up man this was a Man, this took time to build. This episode took huh, a lot of sweat, a lot of time. But trying to get it to the point where you guys are begging for this shit, <laughs> begging for it. Like, I can't get it out fast enough. I know that sounds very duendo-ish, but no, it's it's... This is a passion. I'm only going to get better. This is only going to get better. You guys are only going to love it more. Please like, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. You don't like this shit? Let me know. You love this shit? Let me know. I appreciate all of you. I hope you like the experience and the EP magazine. I'll catch you guys, ladies, everyone, on the next episode. Peace out.